This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron. With me as always are Barnabas and Dave. Guys, feeling the flow. Doing, All right, doing the, doing the full bowl dance, everything, man. We're TGC. All right, that's good, man. Conference. That's true. I, you know, I'm really excited. On location recording. That's right. I'm really excited. I got to, I got to press record in an exotic new locale, Indianapolis. Next time, Delaware. Absolutely. I did watch some Parks and Rec last night as I was preparing to come and like truly enter Indiana. But I also went to college here in Indiana. So. Oh, did you? I did. Did you go to Taylor? No, I'm not one of those guys. Okay. I went to, I went to, <laughs> that sounds so bad. No, I don't. Well, I went to no, Wheaton, I did so not go to Taylor. Gonna, I have nothing wrong with Taylor I was going to make a snide joke about. I was going to make a snide joke about Taylor. Well, you can do that. That's as fine. Being, you know, the JV Wheaton. But oh, did you see, go to I, Notre Dame? I did not. No, I'm not Catholic or anything. Too. No, I. Uh, <laughs> Indiana Wesleyan. No, no, Ball State. You'll never get it. There we go. Or what does David Letterman call Ball State? Oh, we can't say that. That's right. PG-11, guys. PG-11, don't get fired. Employment. Um, yes, employment and is good. Our kids I, depend on I, us for food. I still Absolutely. don't know so. where Dave went to college, though. Uh, <laughs> I went to the University of Evansville, the Purple Aces. The Purple Aces? On oh. the Ohio River, what which is, a purple is the ace? mud pile of water flowing down the southern part of Indiana. What is, what is a Purple Ace? Is a gambler, which uh, would get me thrown out of the SBC, of course. But you know, but you know, I'm here, so I mean, you're still standing. <laughs> this is my past. This is pre Christ. This was pre Christ. Yeah, this is. Uh, sure. Uh, no, I was. I was a Christian then. I knew. Well, <laughs> I played golf there. Hey, ah, I, I had schools I paid for, so I could go there. So come okay, on. Okay, there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for that. You know, that's uh, good. That's but good. But it was Indiana, which basically means you get to know every small town in the state. So that's right. And. Well, thank you, Dave. Now, astute listeners may have noticed another voice um, with us today. We have a special guest. Dave, would you like to introduce our guest? Absolutely. Karen Swallow Pryor is with us. Mm -hmm. So, Karen, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. So far, it's been fun. There we go. (laughs) I know. Well, (laughs) it was pretty fun before we started pressing record as well. Let's be honest. Well, how's that different from usual? Not, nothing for listeners. It's exactly as like we always do. Exactly. So it's a d- yeah. dream come true. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Well, for those of you who do not know, Karen, I'm going to read pieces of the. All right, just I'm going to have to do the obligatory, just so the person listening knows. But um, <laughs> and I want you to react. You're an award-winning professor of English, by the way, <laughs> Karen. Really? At Liberty University? Yeah, really. Oh. Did you not know that? Oh man. <laughs> So you, got your, you. You, got awesome. your, you had your PhD from SUNY Buffalo. See, this is going to get more uncomfortable. But I'm going to ask you about you. But you've uh, extensively written uh, many books, most notably the most written, recent on reading well, which we'll talk about today. Um, but I'm going to park on one very important thing here, that you are a member of the Faith Advisory Council of the Humane Society of the United States of America. 
What, what, what does that mean? I just, all I want to know is, is my dog and cat going to go to heaven? Cats. Thank you, cats, before Barnabas speaks up. Well, this hmm. is actually what the council convenes to decide. Oh, decide. Yeah, on, so there's a decision. on a case-by-case case basis. So is it like animal yeah. by animal or like a species no, animal, by species? No, animal by animal. Mm, okay. And, and, and okay. also owner by owner. Wow. Like, wow. wow. So pets get in based on their owner's merits? Well, yeah. Mm. It, it has a okay. lot to do with it. Well, okay. Dave, your animals are probably safe. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike most cats. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> My cats love me, okay? All right. That's you not true, you. but... No, they do. So. Yeah. Well, they... Karen, are you... As close. What are your feelings about felines? Well, I've had some in my past, but uh, we're mm. a cat-free we're, house we're right all now. Making mistakes, is that kind yeah, of yeah, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. yeah. There, I, I, you know, I've heard that there are there are two kinds of two kinds of people people when it comes to cats. There are people who have cats, and there are people who are trying to get rid of cats. <laughs> or there, there <laughs> are also I'm people who right successfully here. got rid of yeah. cats. Oh, there's a third. There's a third. Uh, Karen, I've got awesome cats. I just wanted to know. I, I, I could convert you to, to be a lover of cats as well. And, and But I still want to know, are they going to heaven or not? What has what the council decided? <laughs> I want to know. I really need to know this. So is it, This is going to help him feel this so is, much all right, better. For the Southern Baptists, they need to know if they're truly saved, right? So right, that's right, what we're trying to determine. Right. Yeah. Is I mean, Sawyer does, does, the cat, does the cat remember the day and the hour at which Ooh. he came forward to believe? Ooh. That's the question. Only the cat can answer. Do they look at... <laughs> I feel like I a cat would look at you and say, that was, a, that was a personal decision that I made. That's none of your business. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I think most cats are Presbyterian. And a dog recommits their life oh. to Christ every day. Yeah, we got there. So. Yes, every day. Yeah, every day a dog is recommitting to Christ. Yeah, I still believe. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And I did something wrong, forgive me. <laughs> but you have dogs in your farm, right? Yes. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Yes. All right, tell us about your dogs. Uh, I have a German short-haired pointer and a Weimaraner. They're both bird dogs, yeah. although one is a hunting dog reject. That one's mine. And the other <laughs> oh. one lives to hunt. Meaning it, it wasn't so good at the... Was not so good okay. at but the But a hunting. great pet. But a great pet. Okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Unlike cats. Yeah. Just to clarify. Fair. That. Yeah, it's context. All right, well, I was hoping here. You have a farm. <laughs> so I thought, you know, cats are just useful, you know, out there, right? Well, I, I've got to tell you, um, I don't have anything against cats. I've had cats before, but there are certain breeds of dogs that, let's just say, the cat would not, the cat would enter the gates of heaven quite oh. quickly. Noted. Or mm. hell. Or hell. Yeah. So, and, and which of your breeds of dogs is particularly uh, anti-cat? Uh, both of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But let's just say that, that even though we live in the country, we don't have a problem right. with stray cats. Mm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, basically, what, you're, what I'm hearing is you actually do love cats. You care about them so I much that you would, you know, you yes. would fear for their lives. Yes. Uh, if they yes. Were. Yes. Okay. Sure. We'll go with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I did the or last, the they, last or cat. Should they fear yeah. for their lives if they're on your farm? They should. There they we should. Go. But there the last go. cat that I had before, you know, these dogs and other dogs, uh, was a cat named Chaucer. Oh, yeah. yes. It's a great, it's a great right. name for Isn't a not it? so great animal. I, I mean, that's a, a really <laughs> good name. Good English professor's yes. cat's name. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's so, good. That's good. My my cats, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. Thank you. Oh, Come on. I they're know. going to heaven. 
The council right, has decided. 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 <laughs> so excited. Okay. Is that the same heaven I'm going to? I don't oh. know about that, and, but that's okay. I, I, have been told, point. I have been told we will often be surprised who is in heaven and who is not there, so maybe your maybe, cats yeah. will be a okay. great surprise. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But if I can just give a brief, serious answer to your question, because I'm sure people... The person listening is sure. confused. The one person point. who the listens, person, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, we're talking about Dave. Yeah, so the, the Faith Advisory of the Humane Society of the United States, uh, Faith Advisory Council, um, just simply advises the Humane Society and uh, on issues of um, animal welfare, uh, which are, or should be anyway, a concern to people of faith. And a lot of Christians don't know that it was evangelicals who began the first animal welfare movement in 18th century England. Mm, When when William Wilberforce, at the same time that he was fighting to abolish slavery, he also formed England's first society for the prevention of cruelty to animals. So this is our legacy, but unfortunately, like many important legacies, it's gotten caught up in today's polarized politics and people think that anyone who cares about animal welfare is you know, a member of PETA or something like that, and that's not it at all. So I'm just trying to reclaim our heritage as evangelicals to care better and more seriously about God's creation. I like this. That's great. That was, that was, Karen, that's awesome. See, I, I feel better I'm glad already. You think I'm glad so. It's just going to be, heaven's going to be awesome with, with all these with dogs your, and cats. With your with, two cats and none of the others. I have here. another cat, by the <laughs> way. Dog, poor my, other cat is going to My dogs are going to be there, too, so okay. I just want to give forewarning <laughs> to yeah. your cats. To be, but it, is it, you know, but in the, okay, the, so, the so here's, here's the follow-up question, because we... Because in the new creation we are in our in our perfected bodies, does this mean that Dave's Dave's cats will potentially become dogs, thus making Barnabas happy? Yeah, because no. cats no, are what no. happened to dogs at the fall. So the resurrection is the making Here right of wrong me. things, <laughs> See? the redeeming of all things. Could be. There you go. We've there solved we go. it. That's theology. Let's this qualifies our like ten minutes of intro. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Yeah, we oh, kind of we're, uh, that said we we spend oh, too much time bantering at the beginning, so we're we've, we've extended do. that amount of time. We every episode since. Oh, we're a solid. <laughs> we will talk about what we want to talk about. All right, I need to know about my cat salvation. All right, we'll take people's the feedback when they start. pay to listen to this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All no. right. All right. Yeah. So yes, Karen, we do actually talk about reading on this, but we did talk about we literary do. characters for the books too. Yeah. Um, real quick, so yes, I mentioned On Reading Well, which is uh, your book that came out this past year, which we're huge fans at Lifeway and also just, you know, us in general, we're constantly talking on this podcast about how we can help listeners with this topic too. So mm-hmm. it's absolutely aligned. To be um, fair, your title is more grammatically correct than our tagline because we try to help people read more better and you are <laughs> trying to help them yes. read well. Yes. 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 You you did you did better than we did. I did more better than we did. I agree. Much more better. Or or your or your publisher did. (laughs) Absolutely. Your editor really helped. Well, this is why we don't leave titling to the Canadian. So that's right. That was your tagline. That's true. That's true. Sorry. So true. Sorry. I would love to let you just explain briefly kind of what the book is. Uh, you know, we've read a lot of pieces of it because um, um, it literally is about, you know, the virtues of what the virtues that are brought by books and how that mm-hmm. helps us. But I want to kind of hear just your words, just tell the listeners sure. a little bit about it. Well, the book is about how reading good literature well can teach us about virtue. 
Um, but it's not just about how great literature gives us moral lessons, um, because literature does do that, but it's more about how reading well forms us as we read, how the aesthetic experience of reading literature um, is different and you know, in, in many ways more significant than just reading for information. Mm -hmm. um, and so I actually spend the whole introductory chapter talking about what it means to read well and why that's hard for most of us, including me. I mean, you know, I have lived long enough that I lived before the internet and before Twitter. I grew up, you know, with the, the proverbial child with her nose always in a book. Um, but in this digitized world, um, I mean, I, I don't, you, you know, you'd have to be someone who's completely living off the grid in order to grow up that way with really mm -hmm. just having books as your only form of entertainment. And so most of us really have to make a concerted effort and be intentional about yeah. not just reading, but reading well. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't yeah. know how to do that anymore because reading, the kind of reading we do on the internet and reading a tweet and reading a news article, it's a different kind of reading. Yeah, it's yeah. like in, increased word consumption, but mm -hmm. not nearly the same focus and depth and thought. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the, um, well, and you're, and you're talking the virtues of reading, which I think is fascinating. I've already, you know, we, we've talked about this for a little bit, like of how evangelicals in particular can be a little afraid of talking about virtues mm -hmm. because it doesn't seem as biblical. How, how, yeah, how was your process of like really analyzing that? Yeah, I mean, I, I also came of age in, you know, as a, as a person, but also as a Christian and an evangelical in, you know, in the years following the rise of the moral majority. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I mean, that movement shaped me, it formed me, it politicized me, um, and I have a lot, uh, I owe a lot to it for who I am today. But I see now kind of looking back and seeing some of the, the fruit of that emphasis that that all that fo when we focus so much on morality which is the choice between good and bad or good and evil mm -hmm. at the expense of virtue which is a little it is not the choice between good and bad but the choice between competing goods hmm. which is harder yeah we've mm -hmm. kind of um, we've failed to develop our character as Christians and as a church as we've tried to sort of fight, you know, moral decline, which yeah. is important, yeah. but we can, focus more on what can rather than how. Can I ask a question on yeah. that? So, in, so speaking of, so moral majority, thinking of right versus wrongs, and then virtues as choosing between the rights, probably some cases choosing between the lesser of wrongs, yeah. trying to yeah. pick the, the rightest of the choices. Yeah. Um, how has that, you know, kind of leaning into that morality mindset let, how has that contributed to kind of how polarized things are? Mm -hmm. People people want to turn everything into a clear dichotomy between yes. choice A and choice B. There's no gray right. or there's no option C, D, E. Everything is A or B. So how, how has that, that mindset sort of fed into the dysfunction of how we think and discourse now? That's such an excellent question. I mean, and, and you actually, I mean, I think you kind of answered it in, in some ways because, you know, right and wrong is black and white. Um, 
but choosing between compute, competing goods or the lesser of two evils um, is is a lot of gray. Mm -hmm. And but we've we're in this mindset it, as evangelicals of you know it's it's like the, the whole package or none. It's all right or all wrong. It's black or white. And so we have not only contributed to, but in some ways I think, you know, led the way into this very polarized culture where mm -hmm. we can't think past the two categories and can't think past other solutions or or think about people with whom we might agree a great deal but disagree some and yeah, that and right. that things are complicated. You're right, yeah, writing yeah. up people yes. entirely because yes. of their attachment to a political party or a denomination right, right. or a Or whatever. a wrong position on one issue, yes. but never mind all the rest. Right, right, right. right. I mean, like, <laughs> I haven't written off Dave even though he has a wrong position on cats, right, for example. Right, Well, right. that's, you know, so right. that you really are a virtuous right person. In right. that, in, in that I know, small, it's hard. small yeah. way. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and neither of you have written off me because I'm Canadian, which is also appreciated. But is Canadian so. a virtue? Is that in the um. book? <laughs> the virtue of being Canadian? Because everybody that's likes a good Canadians. question. Do they, though? Well, we almost said humility for you know way back, but uh, is it false humility? What is it? Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely false humility. It's false, it's yeah. Self-loathing, okay. self-loathing. That is yep. that is it right there. Yep. Yeah. But we yeah. love you. We accept well, you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Everyone needs a hat. You know, Karen, can you, <laughs> to, moving on to from our nonsense about right. Canadians, can you can you just walk yeah. us briefly through? So mm -hmm. again, since we're not we being conservative evangelicals don't tend to think in terms of virtue categories. Can you just walk us through sort of what are the sure. the, the cardinal virtues, the key virtues, just to kind of give context because mm -hmm. some of our some of our listeners have read your book. We've gotten feedback mm -hmm. that they that they love it and it's enhanced how they've read other things. They put together a whole reading list from it, but mm -hmm. a lot of them wouldn't have wouldn't have read it yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so what what are those what are those virtues? Just to kind of give people categories, right? And then also, so you've attached a, a novel, or it looks like, or some short stories, mainly mm -hmm. novels, yeah. To to each one, and I'm so. What are the virtues? Yeah. And how did you pick the novel? Because yeah. I feel like, yeah. I mean, there's almost a limitless supply of Virtue great books to novel. pick from. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that was, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, this is a good sort of example of how the writing process works because mm -hmm. this wasn't even the original idea I had for the book. That's another story, but <laughs> that's your <once> next book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, um, you know, the, when I decided to look into the virtues and study them because I'd never studied them before, one thing I discovered early on is that there are many, many different lists of many virtues. So I had to kind of narrow it down. And but most of the lists agree on what are called, you know, the cardinal virtues, and those mm. are prudence, justice, courage. And temperance and they're called the cardinal virtues because they're the ones that are required for all of the others um, now virtue ethics is is a huge field of philosophy of moral philosophy and it's largely secu secular it begins in ancient uh, Greek philosophy but there are Christian virtues there are mm -hmm. theological virtues mm -hmm. and so those are I have divide the book up into these sections the theological virtues are faith hope and love and I think hopefully those will sound familiar to your mm -hmm. listener and uh, and then there are the heavenly or Christian virtues there are seven of those but two of them are, are cardinal virtues so uh, the five remaining are humility patience chastity diligence and when I'm missing, <laughs> it's always mm. it's always hard when I and uh, look at your table yeah. of contents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see here. 
I'm not good with the math. So and theological, yeah. faith, hope, love, yes. heavenly virtues, chastity, diligence, patience, kindness, humility. Kind- kindness. 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 Oh, kindness. oh, man. Oh, the sarcastic man. person yes. forgot kindness. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure none of us can help out either. We're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, man, I've gone through it, but I don't remember that one. <laughs> and, you know, then in terms of which, you know, the idea of, of matching a work of literature, most of them are novels, with the virtue. I, I mean, they're... You know, there's so much great literature out there. I picked ones that, you know, that made sense with the virtue, but also, you know, I I tried to, I mean, I had to pick ones that I cared about and that I like. Um, And I also tried to, because I'm a, a British literature specialist, the American literature I'm a little weak in, so I, but I wanted to appeal to readers who are, you know, let's just face it, a lot of readers, especially teaching college, I know this, that's, mm-hmm. that um, people think American literature is more accessible or easier or whatever, or they like it more, they're more familiar, so I wanted to include some American work. So there are lots of things I had to juggle. Is that um, just because most of it is newer? I think so. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Right. I mean, the language accessible. is more, you know, it was more like ours. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to have a wide range and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'll, 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 I'll confess that I'm, that I struggle with Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fair. more I read it, the more I like it, but it's, it's a bit of a struggle for someone who loves irony and satire. <laughs> But, you know, I wanted I wanted this book to be have as wide appeal as, as it could because mm-hmm. there I just want I want to I'm I'm a teacher at heart yeah. and I wanted to help readers who already well, obviously who already love literature, I wanted them to read it, but I mm-hmm. wanted people who maybe feel intimidated by great works of literature, don't know where to begin, don't have an entry point. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help yeah. them. Yeah, when I first saw the book coming out I thought like I mean, of course, I, I knew we would mm-hmm. like it <laughs> because <laughs> yes. this is what yep. we're ingrained in. But I was just thinking, like, boy, is this going to come off as like an elitist book, you know, just for the yeah, extreme book yeah. lovers? And and after going through it, I realized, like, gosh, this is such a helpful guide just for any adult trying to mm-hmm. make sense of. I mean, certainly for students, but also because you've yeah. used this, you've tested this in so right. many yeah. ways. Right. But um, but I found it absolutely accessible. Um, the introduction sets that up well. But um, when you, you describe it as as an as an entry point, and in watching people's responses to it on social media and even talking to people, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who would like to read more diligently. Right. Read you, what should I read? That's sort of like because right, it, it's, right. it's it's paralysis by choice. There's just too many right. options. Mm-hmm. So I've I've seen a number of people just say this was. This sort of set the this set my my reading list my framework yes. like okay now I know where to start and that's I mean it's knowing where to start is really hard unless you're already a reader so I think oh, that's, that's really significant well and if I can you know I actually didn't realize so many people would want to read the works I write about you know chapter mm-hmm. by chapter as I talk about them and if I did I might have actually picked some different works especially because, or ordered because the first <laughs> one I have. Yeah. I mean, Tom Jones is a 900-page yeah, novel a from the 18th beast. century. It's one of the most difficult, it is the most difficult work that I teach, one of the most difficult to read, and yet the word, so many people are out there reading it. I, I mean, it makes mm-hmm. my heart glad, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also like, oh, I didn't know so many people yeah. were gonna, you know, I yeah, might have there, picked. There's no warm-up novel in there, <laughs> yeah. is there? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no it's, it's yeah. go big or go home. You could yeah. do, yeah. though, that, that would be, uh, be super helpful. It's, it's almost to go through and go, you know, whether it was a blog post or an article for somewhere, and just put down like start with option B. So you know, like if 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 this is 
if this is a bit much, yeah. what about this? Like, yeah. what about yeah, this? That's, a good, that's yeah. a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm sure. That, I'm sure there are some people who kind of who are intimidated. But I mean, I'm intimidated by some of these books. I've also never heard of one of them. I don't. Never yeah. heard of Ethan. There's is it Ethan? Oh, Ethan Frome. Ethan Frome. Yeah. I don't know Ethan Frome. <clears throat> as a oh. book or a person or a character. Oh, that, that see, was that was I'm a really so old. That used to be one every every high school student read. Yeah, what, I read uh, in high what school. is it? I've literally never heard of it. Have you ever heard of it? the writer Edith Wharton? Yes. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Edith Ethan Frome is a it's a very it's a novella. It's very thin. I think that's one of the reasons why it always gets taught in high school or used to get taught in get high school. It in yeah. yeah. And it mm -hmm. actually yes. That and the Great Gatsby. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, it's actually was made into a great film adaptation starring um, Liam Nielsen as Ethan so, Frome, like really? back in the. His early days, 90s, 80s, yeah. 80s early 90s. Late it's 80s, a great early film. Back, back before he did Taken 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and yeah, 7. Exactly. He's not done. He's not done. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Taken on a train. So Taken at the very train. least, I do recommend the film to anyone yeah. who wants to watch. It's a good adaptation. So, okay. yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the fact that you called it a novella makes me want to read it now because it's not 900 pages. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. You didn't lead okay. with that? And yeah, I know. I know. I'm adding it to my list. No, we've talked about this before of just like, of trying to always have a classic in hand you know if we're reading widely yeah revisiting ones that were not taught well to mm, us or mm. just went over our head yeah. when we were younger and that's what we find like people like oh, yeah. there's so many great books when yeah. you reread or <laughs> or things like uh um um anything from Salinger, first of all. Like, you ha if you don't read as a teenager, mm -hmm. if you read it first time in your 30s, you're looking back and saying, what a lazy, no good, whatever. <laughs> but if you read then, yeah. that's why it resonates so right. well for me. Right. To be fair, Catcher in the Rye, I, to be fair, there, you know, I read Catcher in the, in the Rye when I was 12 yeah. or 13, and right. I wanted to punch him right in his stupid face. You're, yes. You're, all right. So still, you're a good reader. Yeah. I tried to read it at 28, and I also wanted to do that, and then I felt guilty for wanting to punch whatever he was, a 13-year-old in the yeah. face. So 15, 16. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, eh. No, I feel like that's, no, that's just a, a yeah, blanket a rule. It's okay. It should be okay yeah. to just punch 15-year-olds yeah. in their face. But Absolutely. I was really glad to see uh, to see The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, mm -hmm. Gosh. I did find it interesting that you put it next to the virtue of hope, because no. most people think of that as a particularly bleak book. <laughs> you can't get any bleaker so than a post-apocalyptic world with cannibals, right? True, it's true. But that's but it you is know, that's so where something, that's something so keeps them going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, just I want to circle back on something that we that we uh, talked about that we hit on just a minute ago. This this whole idea of giving up on a book like we we read it at the wrong time we mm. did that kind of thing we went back I, I wonder if i wonder if sometimes our problem with reading classics is isn't even just that we that we tried something at the wrong time it's just we tried the wrong book hmm. so for example um i have a deep-seated loathing of moby dick you can whoa, say it out loud. Say it out loud. It's like this me is too. Safe place. Yes. <laughs> it's not. She's like, can I say yes. this? Out? But I, 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 yes. I, last year I bought a copy of it, yeah. to, which I haven't gotten to yet to yeah. reread. Yeah. It's the one book when I was in college. I, I feel, I cheated. I got the Cliff's Notes. See, I cheated I, by using the uh, the feature film starring Gregory Peck. Oh, see, now I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. And it worked. 
I got an A on my paper. But so in the, in the choosing of the lesser of two evils here, I think Cliff's Notes is the lesser Cliff's of those notes. two evils. Yes, so, absolutely. absolutely. So, so way to be more virtuous. Yeah. You did yeah, it. That's right. It's that's own, right. But I'm going um, to redeem. I'm going to reread you know, it. Or read why? it. I'm going yeah. to read it. So why? this is this because, is a this is a broader. If you hate a book, why read it? That, no, I actually I do agree that you shouldn't. But I'm an English professor. I think I, I know. I, right. I, I know, wouldn't but it, I don't teach American it be literature. So, so it's probably okay. Your students to know that there are books that you're just like couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. for you to just like. But I want them to do all the ones I make them do. Rail on it. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> class. You have the power. So you have. That's right. Yeah. You you hold their academic yeah, true, future. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So hands. I mean, you could you could have you have the opportunity to shape this next generation I, and say, you know what. Moby Dick is a total piece of trash. <laughs> okay. Everything. We can eliminate well, it for generations well, and separate Yeah, it's like there are so many yeah. other books. You know what? Go I've never made it Dickens. past page three. Like, I, I got into it and I was just like, this Has is... Has anyone oof. actually ever read Moby Dick? Uh, I, I think it's a book that people <laughs> My kids lie. read an abridged version of it. I think people it. lie about reading it. <laughs> yes. People have it on their shelves it, it, because it's super impressive. Right. I mean, Moby Dick is the reason why I went into... British literature. <laughs> <laughs> now that is that's the ultimate. Oh, I was an English major. Absolutely, that is the no, show. We that is the title of this episode. <laughs> that is it. Right Thank there. you. Again. You're welcome. Best. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's amazing. That's really good. <laughs> so good. What, really good. Were there yeah. were there books that you read? Any that comes to mind that you read when you were 15, 16 years old, or were forced mm -hmm. to read for school that you loathed? And then you came back around and read them at some point in your adult life and thought, "Oh, this is this is brilliant," or "I love it now," or you know, just a completely different reaction yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one, the first one that comes to mind is I read Pride and Prejudice in tenth grade, and uh -huh. it's not so much that I loathed it as I had no clue. Like I, I did not. I thought it was really boring because nothing happens in it. Well nothing happens in any of Jane Austen's novels except for someone gets married. It's all, I mean, now I, I love Austen. It's all about the sat, I, didn't, when, I yeah. didn't know it was satire. I didn't know, you know. Which I didn't, makes it brilliant satire. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because exactly. it's so If it's obvious satire, then it's ham-handed and the Babylon Bee. Um, so. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Wait, how do you feel about that again? You were telegraphing. We just did an entire Happy yeah. Rant podcast episode all yeah. about how uh, they've fallen off a cliff. So, But I do have to say that the King David um, and Bathsheba in leggings was one was pretty good. <laughs> jeggings, yeah, the jeggings, yeah. They, well, his, it used to be really good. See, when they stay on point, when they stay on point with what they originally started doing, but enough, but enough yeah. about all of it. Anyway. You know, it, like, right, Jane Austen is like the Babylon Bee. Oh, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you a British literature? Stop this recording right now. We're done. No, Jane Austen so is one. I, I actually, I love teaching Austen to college students who've read her in high school because often it's a similar experience. They have, mm -hmm. I mean, I just got done teaching it a few weeks ago and one of my, my best students was like, Oh, it's satire, and it just completely <laughs> yeah. changed everything. I love That's being so part fun. of that process. Like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Do they? So I've never watched any of the Pride and Prejudice movies. Most of them don't understand novels. I was gonna say, do do they present it as satire? Do they present it as like something more Usually, savvy, romantic, yeah. whatever? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Although I will say the Ang Lee adaptation of Sense and Sensibility is quite good. Really? Yeah. Mm. Okay. 
All right, I think that's about it. Okay. All Got right, with, with your students, tell me, I mean, what, are, are you encouraged by them at this point? I mean, I'm, I'm also trying to think of like your history of teaching They too. don't listen like, to this, so speak very freely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Right, that's right. Great, great. No, no, that's no, right. no, I'm not telling, you don't have to talk about current students, but also just, what, what gives you hope about, yeah. about them? Yeah. What, what surprises you about them in the way that they approach looking mm -hmm. at literature now? Mm -hmm. And what drives you crazy mm -hmm. about <laughs> them right now? <laughs> yeah, I would say that the hardest thing is, and I, I mentioned this in Unreading Well in the introduction, is that they have been so trained in most of their educational experience to jump immediately to interpretation and opinion and evaluation hmm. that they really don't know how to even just think about what a text is saying mm -hmm. before they think about what they think about it. You know, so oftentimes yes. in class I'm just I just want them to just really look at what's being said, the language that's being used, the words, the connotation of the words and just really understand in depth what the text is saying and that's very hard for them to yeah. do. In what way do you think that um social media contributes to that because I mean we see the same kind of mm -hmm. thing that people will maybe maybe read a headline mm. and then immediately jump to like get on their jump to conclusions mat and go to town mm -hmm. um, and I mean we see that with basically anyone um, from a certain side who comments on anything that you tweet um, you know we, yeah. <laughs> we see that with people who respond to Barbas we see it with people who respond to peop other people that we know um, and it's I get it a lot less than you do that's though. true you, that's true you're much more lightning rod than I am or you just I don't know something about that was a compliment is, by the way yeah <laughs> yes oh, so, yeah. yeah when he's that's, calling yeah. someone a lightning rod that's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah that's more yeah. solidarity than anything yeah. Yeah. but uh-huh yeah um yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know if those uh, chickens have come home to roost yet that you're, okay. you're just talking about. Um, but that that's going to be a real problem as, as our, you know, we have 10, 20 years of that kind of culture of, you know, clickbait. Well, we're already mm -hmm. seeing you know, the fake yeah. news. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't know how to read in the sense of interpreting because, largely because they don't even know how to read sort of on the literal level. Yeah. Um, it's... You know, in, in some ways, and I, I've, I've written a little and talked about this, um, and more so increasingly, in some ways it's going to be like returning to a preliterate culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I teach, uh, I teach Gulliver's Travels, um, the 18th century satire by Jonathan Swift, where, mm -hmm. you know, where he goes yeah. to the island of Lilliput with the little people, and then the island of the big people, and so forth. And I tell my students, because this is true, is that in his day, a lot of people thought that it was true, that it wasn't satire. And they, they think that's ridiculous. And I, and I explained to them, but you know, this was a world without CNN, without this and without that, and, and, and tr people were beginning to travel and come back with story, true stories about sort of fantastic events and, and things. And I said, but we're, we're doing the same thing. We yeah. can't tell the difference between what's true and what's not either. Mm -hmm. I said, so we are doing making the same mistake that Swift's readers made um, in our fake news culture. So yeah, hmm. I mean, and it and it's now being exploited by 
by news outlets who can who can say literally anything they yep. want and get away like, with yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Our, our our constituents will listen to this. And it's so it's not satire, it's just BS. Right, right. Yeah. I mean Swift was not trying to fool right. anyone. He was he writing good satire. Yeah, he was, making he was satirizing. Drawing, drawing, right, right. drawing out those those points. Yeah. But we yeah. are um, yeah, we are a very gullible people. Um, because yeah. we have lost the, we're losing the ability to read and to read well. So if you, if you had a couple pointers for readers and you're talking about slowing down, looking at words, really looking at what it means instead of sort of like leapfrogging through the mm -hmm. book to mm -hmm. get to, this is how I feel about it or this is my interpretation. What are, what are practices that a reader could use or particular habits to, to do that? You know, dig into what the author is saying. What does this text mean before mm -hmm. I get to my interactions with it? I really think the most important thing is to slow down. Okay. Reading mm. literature is not like reading a blog post or a news article. And we do so much of that. You know, we talked about this earlier. We do so much of that, that, of that now. We think that's what reading is. Slow down. I highly recommend reading with a pen or pencil. And, and, and it's not mm. just because, I mean, some people think that's not like reading for pleasure. <laughs> well, I think it is. I think when you yeah. stop and you underline, you know, a turn of phrase yes. or, mm. you know, or an interesting word used in a different way. I'm disappointed when I can't find things to underline in a book. Like, yeah. well, that wasn't yeah. very Yeah, well that's written. not fun. That's the <laughs> point. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, writing, writing should writing be fun mm -hmm. to read. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it's fun, and, yeah. then there should be things that are noteworthy. Yes. Right. And, so. and I mean, I think that that is, I think honestly, that's been. Unlike been Moby Dick, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, but I mean, I think that's been one of my, just in general, one of my great frustrations with our own tribe is that mm. we don't know how to write in a way that's fun to mm -hmm. read. That's or enjoyable. lovely, yeah. or beautiful, yeah. which is you know. yeah. that that, that is moving in some yes. way, whether it right. moves you to laughter or thought yeah, that makes or you reflection. feel something. Yeah, some, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's it is right. it is informational writing, which influenced strongly by an academic style, yes. which is it, dry. It, right. it, it, it's dominoes. That's the problem. Is you get one person or group of people right. that do, it and they feel like, well, that's what we should do because that was right. successful for them. Honestly, because as publishers. We're partly culpable for this day no. too because we, uh, we are. you know, it's a bit of a chicken or the egg which came first, a successful book or a publisher mm. promoting a book. But you know, we're we're mm -hmm. wrapped up in that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it is it is rare to find books that are about something sort of generally evangelical that are also beautifully yeah. or you know, yeah. in some way well crafted and well written that way. Yeah. And who are some, I mean, you can answer this along the way, who are some authors or books that we need to be paying attention to, too? Think about that, too. It's like, I mean, if there's ones today that most people aren't seeing, so. No. Well, I don't read a lot of contemporary literature. Oh. I, I try to challenge yeah. myself and stretch mm -hmm. myself to do so. Um, I do think Cormac McCarthy is a mm -hmm. great writer. Yeah. Um, George Saunders, mm -hmm. although he's more like rated R. Um, so I can't, you know. Our description of that is that it has some content. content. Yeah, it has some it content. Has it has scenes, some content. It's a little bit gritty. <laughs> yeah. It's gritty. Scenes and it has in your mind. It's gritty. Just scenes, gritties. <laughs> gritty, yeah. gritty. Flannery um, <laughs> O'Connor. Mm, you know, if people yeah. haven't been, you know. I, I really like the dark stuff, so please take all this with a grain of salt. <laughs> well, we've spent the last, um, well, 20 some odd episodes, like, constantly recommending. Uh, books by by people like Frederick Backman, um, Leif Anger, so folks who aren't afraid to get a little bit dark where you need to. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of have you so. read? Have you read had a chance to read? I don't know who any of those people are. No. Okay, oh, wow. there we go. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, we get <laughs> to recommend books to you. Contemporary literature. So, um, Leifanger has written three books so far over the last twenty he, years. He releases a novel about every eight years. Yes. yes. So he's mm. yeah. He, and he works they, at and, it a little, and, and, they, and yep. it shows. He's thrown yes. out in full manuscripts before. Yeah, yeah. And phenomenal writer. Phenomenal writer. Okay. When we talk, when we were talking about writing that's beautiful, that makes you feel something, mm-hmm. it's that, mm-hmm. and it connects so, well with the, yeah. with the. I mean, the whole concept of virtues as opposed. I mean, so it's yes. there, it's not sort of a a plot plot mm-hmm, scheme mm-hmm, drifted mm-hmm. novel. It is about the the virtues or lack thereof of mm-hmm. the characters, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what mm-hmm. makes the book happen. And right. there, mm-hmm. and that's true. So, and then Frederick Backman is a he's Swedish. So he writes in Swedish, and then it's translated, and it still shows up as wow. magnificent it's writing. Amazing. I wish I knew Swedish because I'd love to know how it reads in the original. Yeah, a man, a man called Ove. Ove. Uva. 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 Thank man you. That is on, Uva. That is on yes. my to read list. Man called Uva. Uva. Suspicion based on the kinds of books that you like, the sense of humor that you seem to have, that a man called Uva. Uva I have been told that. Yes, that is on my um, my to read list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it, okay. All of his stuff is okay. very interesting, very quirky. And I'm so yeah. glad I came on this there show you go. so I there can you go. have some We're good, good reading recommendations. You have a purpose for yeah. living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least for well, podcasting. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a purpose for podcasting. <laughs> I'm sure there's other things that give us reason for a living. I hope. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Alright, so um, we are approaching the end of our time. Um, so real quick, um, one thing that we do um, as we wrap up every episode of our show is we um, we have a segment called the Jack Reacher Sucker Punch of the Week. So what this is, is it's based on catharsis. Um, so, that one I know. Okay, so there we go. Um, so the whole the whole idea is, is there is the, is there a um, character in a book, a um, you know, it's expanded out into the real say, world. A you little started bit. with fictional character, but we've expanded it into. Uh, um, Dave has gone into the news realm. We can it can be I, an author. Author. It's gone if, into entire segments if, if, of an industry. If, if the um, number nine peacemaker is going off the rails, then you know it's getting in, bad right. at that point. Okay, so, so, and it's inspired. It's inspired by the yeah. the name of it is inspired by Lee Child, the author of the Jack Reacher series of books. Who These started, are the trash fiction novels that yeah. I enjoy. Okay. They're complete, okay. they're complete, I've heard of Jack Reacher. Complete yeah. trash, but they're super fun. Um, but the whole those he started writing those novels because he had a terrible boss that he wanted to punch in the face, and so rather than punching him, his boss in the face, he created this roaming um, army ranger character who who punches people in faces. He, he yeah he fights for the greater good, but he just yeah. basically beats people up. So yeah, Jack Reacher is like his his uh, his cathartic his punching ego. of the bad yes, guy. Yes, exactly. Okay. So who would exactly. you like to? Cathartically punched yes. in the face. We give this, this to Jack Reacher. Oh, I we give this someone in the face. Oh. That's right. We yeah, give you, this. Get to, you get to pick the punchy. Yes. Okay. This is this is the honor we bestow on every guest. Okay. Dubious as it is, there has wow. to be a character that Think you just yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Um, Angel Claire of Tess of the Durbervilles. Okay. Because Angel loved. Do we? Am I allowed to give a spoiler? Yeah, yeah, do it. Okay, that book's been Angel, out for a few yeah, years. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Yes, no, you're fine. <laughs> um, Angel loved Tess 
and married her. And on their wedding night, when they each revealed their past to one another, Angel upheld a double standard oh. and left, abandoned his new wife and repented much later when it was too late. Mm. Right. That boom. I haven't read that one, but I know. It but sounds I was very writing, I was writing that. Yeah. You guys, you guys, right. see, you guys you really us, seem mad now. You, you know, gave like, wow. us a new book. <laughs> yeah, I just want to skip to the end of that one. So yeah, I can exactly. Read yeah, that's right. That's right. Have it though. Also, punching, right. punching an angel seems yeah. Fitting. Yeah. questionable, but also kind of delightful. You might get arrested, but that's okay. You know, that's all right. All right. So, um. Karen, thank you for joining yes. us. Thank you for this having me. This was fun. Conversation. Thank you. Um, we could have kept talking for a lot longer, but there's a crowd of people that's walking the, past yeah. us. The, the on-site podcasting has its This pitfalls. is what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right so listeners, there's no cleaning this up. We cannot do it. But enjoy it. But we're here for you, listeners. That's right. So we're that's here yeah. recording on, on site at TGC 19 <laughs> in breathtaking Indianapolis. And so, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.